0: Do you all have a, a sense of danger today? Do you feel like maybe some dangerous situations exist? I don't want to make you paranoid or anything like that, but of course you know there are dangers, numerous dangers around us right now. Uh, for instance, there's a dangerous sickness. Uh, I, hopefully we are now breaking out of that winter pattern of colds and flu and stomach bugs and all that other stuff but there's still some stuff out there and you could get sick you could get sick today in fact and then in addition to those contagious sort of things that go around there's there's more chronic kinds of illness that might afflict us and who knows man that's pretty dangerous just physically speaking is dangerous but then on top of that of course there's terrorism we hear about that in the news every day and it's a little hard to Maybe think of terrorists striking right here in Columbia, Tennessee, but it's possible. Could happen. We could, we could be subject to a terrorist attack. And then, of course, maybe more likely than that is some sort of natural disaster. Could be an earthquake, you know. We're not that far from the New Madrid fault. And they say if that thing goes off, man, it's going to be devastating. Could have a big natural disaster. More likely than that, maybe is a bad thunderstorm come by, tornado, danger, real danger. And then of course there's just some mean ugly people out there in the world who do violence you know you could be robbed you could be mugged you could be physically attacked and you got to you got to think about that danger as well again my purpose here's not to make you feel paranoid but you you realize there are dangers around right so what you do of course when there's potential of danger is that you are first aware that the danger exists and then you take steps to mitigate those dangers to avoid them if possible. That's what we do. That's just being realistic. We're not trying to be paranoid, but we're trying to be realistic to potential dangers and things that we can do to sort of save ourselves from those dangers. Okay, now if we got that firmly in mind, when we talk about those physical dangers, far more important to us ought to be the potential for spiritual dangers that face those of us who are seeking to serve God. And so for a few minutes this morning, we want to deal with the fact that Christians are facing dangers in this world. I'm talking about physical things. We're talking about spiritual things. We want to identify what some of those dangers are. And then, of course, by identifying them, also take measures to avoid being harmed by those dangers. Let's stop here for just a minute to say thank you to everyone who's here today. We're so glad that you've come. Uh, Again, another picture-perfect day weather-wise for us in Middle Tennessee, and a great blessing to be able to be together. I was thinking before we came this morning, you know, we take it so for granted, but we are blessed to be able to come together for worship, and nobody's trying to stop us. Nobody is interfering with us. Nobody is threatening us. Nobody's trying to put a stop to what we're doing here this morning, and that's a real blessing. That's not so everywhere. And there are people in this world who are trying to get together to worship God, and there are people who are trying to prevent them from doing so. We pray for them. We need to be thankful for ourselves that we have this privilege. Thank you for being here to be a part of it and taking advantage of this great privilege. We have visitors today. We're always grateful for our visitors. Please come again every time you have a chance to be with us, and we're always open to your questions. Let's talk about these dangers facing Christians. And for our study this morning, we want to be taking all of our points out of the book of Hebrews. Now We've studied the book of Hebrews many times, and we understand that the book of Hebrews was written to Jews of the first century who had believed on Jesus and had become Christians. And so they were Jewish Christians, they were Jewish believers. But over a course of time, their faith had sort of... Uh, caved in on them somewhat, and some of them were thinking about going back into Judaism. And the book of Hebrews is written especially to show the superiority of Christ, that things that we have in Christ are far better than anything that was ever known or experienced by the Jews under the law of Moses. And we understand that to be the theme of the book of Hebrews. But with that idea, in my sense that was the theme of the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer deals with a number of dangers that Christians face. We have those same dangers ourselves, and we need to be aware of them. One of the dangers that the Hebrew writer identifies is the danger of drifting. I don't know about you, but when I when I hear that word drifting or uh, the danger of drifting, my mind is immediately drawn to the picture of a boat in a in a stream or in a river, and it's it's calm and it's placid and Maybe the people in the boat are not paying particularly close attention. They're just in enjoying themselves. But the boat is moving. And the boat is heading toward a dangerous waterfall that's just around the next bend. They're drifting in that direction. They're not paying attention. You can almost picture all of a sudden they see themselves just on the brink of going over the waterfall. They've drifted into danger. Drifting. That's what the Hebrew writer warns about. Spiritually, of course, uh, the danger of drifting is to drift away uh, from being in a safe place in our relationship with the Lord and drifting into areas of spiritual danger. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. In the New American Standard Version, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so the Hebrew writer specifically uses that concept. You could drift away from where you need to be. Have you ever noticed that happening to someone, maybe someone near and dear to you? Or, for that matter, maybe happening to yourself. Have you ever seen instances of spiritual drifting? Uh, maybe an example of this would be an individual who's very faithful to the Lord, you know, one of those kind of people who's present every time the, the church doors are open. Uh, they're very diligent in their study of the Bible. Uh, in fact, this is a, a person who takes things very seriously and tries to teach them to others. But over a period of time, they sort of th- that intensity sort of diminishes in them. And now maybe they, they miss services from time to time. Maybe if something else comes up that they'd rather be doing, they do that rather than worship. They just haven't been really committing themselves to Bible study much anymore. And and for that matter, they never talk to others. They once were all into that, and now they have moved away from it. They have drifted away. Spiritual drifting. It can happen. And the Hebrew writer says, we've got to be aware of them. We can drift away from where we ought to be. Or maybe it's some matter of morality, you know maybe this individual you're thinking of or I'm thinking of maybe this person once took a very strong stand on on moral issues on on modesty the way we dress or or maybe on uh uh dancing and the sin of lasciviousness or or maybe it's drinking uh, alcohol you know they once were very strong against those things but now and there may be a number of factors contributing to it but now they have drifted away from their hard stand on those important moral issues, and now they excuse immodest dress in themselves or maybe particularly in their children. Maybe though they wouldn't have gone to the school dance or prom, uh, now under pressure they, they allow their kids to go. Maybe they once opposed drinking alcohol in any form, but now because it's popular in this world and even some of our own brethren are teaching falsely about it, now they caved in on that. And 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 they allow it. Again, maybe not in themselves, but in others, they have drifted away from where they once stood. Spiritual drifting. It's a great danger. Notice that the, the Hebrew writer here says, we must pay much closer attention. We need to pay closer attention. Uh, the idea is that some are moving away from where they need to be and they're not even aware of it. They're not paying attention. You need to pay closer attention. Because if you don't pay closer attention, you're going to drift away from where you need to be spiritually. So, one of the dangers that we face is the danger of drifting. We've got to be aware of that. Another danger we face is the danger of what we will call hardening. Um, The passage in Hebrews that I have in mind is chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews 3, verse 13, we, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice that last phrase. Lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We could be hardened. Sin is a deceitful thing. You know, the, the deceitfulness of sin tries to convince us that what we're doing is not all that terribly bad. Uh, it could be any one of the items that we were just enumerating in our previous point. Maybe, maybe, for instance, the 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 uh, sin of drinking alcohol. You know, so a guy convinces himself, I can I can drink just a little. You know, I can take a glass of wine with supper, or I can I I can drink a beer with the boys after work. And uh, now, mind you, I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to get drunk, but just a little drink here or then. That's not. That's not so bad, is it? Really? Well, sin deceives. And then one thing leads to another. And some of those very same people who've tried to argue that drinking a little is not wrong, though I think they're, they are wrong. Their arguments fail. But now, he's drunk. Now he's demonstrated full drunkenness. Uh, he would have never got there if he hadn't begun to compromise. If sin hadn't deceived him, and now his heart is hardened. And now you can't even make an argument to him against that sort of thing. Sin is deceitful. And as a person gets involved in it and as he gets farther and farther into it and farther and farther away from where he ought to be spiritually, it becomes harder and harder to reach him. He's become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We gotta be, we gotta be aware of that danger. You let yourself start down that road. If you just start down that road, what's going to ultimately happen is you're going to become hardened into that position that you've taken now and no one will be able to draw you back from it. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hearts hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice here that the Hebrew writer says that we should encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today. We ought to encourage one another because this danger exists. The danger of being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin exists and therefore, the Hebrew writer is calling upon us to encourage one another so that that won't happen. But you know, some of the people who are going that way resent that sort of encouragement. Oh, yeah, the preacher, he's always harping on those issues. Or Those people at church, uh, they just keep calling and hounding me. They won't leave me alone. Uh, I wish they'd just mind their own business. We'll see the person who has become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, he resents, he or she resents that encouragement that we're supposed to be offering to one another so we don't get to that point. We've got to be aware of that danger of letting our hearts grow hardened. Another danger that the Hebrew writer talks about is the danger of stagnation. I don't know about you, but when I think of stagnation, the picture that immediately comes to my mind is of a, is of a pond somewhere or another. Not every pond gets that way, but some ponds, you know, just, especially in the hot summertime, they just, they just get covered over with green, slimy moss. They're, the water is stagnant. And if someone said, go take a big drink of water out of that pond, you'd say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I thank you, but I'll, 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 I'll do without. I'm not going to drink out of that stagnant water. That's what you picture, right? A, a stagnant pond, as contrasted with a fresh flowing stream of water. Uh, there's a distinct contrast. Well, spiritual stagnation uh, is even more harmful than that stagnant pond, or drinking out of that stagnant pond that we were just suggesting. In Hebrews chapter 5, starts out in verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to a need for milk and not solid food. Now, stop there for a minute. Realizing, of course, that the book of Hebrews was written nearly 2,000 years ago, it's pretty amazing that that description seems to fit so perfectly with situations today, doesn't it? People, Christians, we're talking to Christians. We're talking to those of us who are Christians this morning. The, the time is that you ought to be able to teach other people, but unfortunately, it's become necessary that we need to be taught again the very basic elementary principles of the organs of God. We are still needing milk. We can't take the strong meat of the word. Sadly, that description is too fitting for us, just like it was those Christians back there. He goes on. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Stop there again for a minute. A person who stagnates, uh, uh, and what this is suggesting is he's had time to learn better. He's had time to come to a deeper, fuller knowledge of the will of God. But he hasn't, he hasn't, achieved that he's still a babe he should have grown plenty of time has passed he should have grown but he hasn't grown he's stagnated he he's not growing and what happens well because he hasn't availed himself of greater fuller knowledge of the will of god he he now is not in a good position to discern good and evil solid food is for the mature who by practice of their senses trained to discern good and evil, but if you haven't trained your senses, then you're not able to make good decisions about good and evil. That spiritual stagnation that has happened to you has put you in the danger now that you're not even capable of making good decisions about right and wrong. And then he goes on, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, notice, let us press on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. What we need to do is, no, notice, he uses the word press. Let us press on to maturity. You've got to work at that. You don't become a mature Christian accidentally. you got to press on to get to that point of spiritual maturity. And if you don't do that, if you allow yourself to grow spiritually stagnant, you're putting yourself in tremendous danger. You need to press on to maturity. Let me ask you a question. Of of people you've known through the years who've fallen away from serving the Lord, and I'm sad to say every one of us here this morning have known people who've fallen away from serving the Lord. Of the people you've known who've fallen away from the Lord, would you have rated them as strong, mature Christians and then they just fell away from the Lord? No, no, that doesn't happen, does it? Strong, mature Christians don't fall away from the Lord, typically. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but that's not typical. What's typical is a person who's still a babe. They, they never grew past it. They stagnated. They, ne- they stopped growing. Stopped growing pretty early. They, they, they don't make good decisions. They, they are not able to discern good and evil because they didn't press on to maturity. They allowed themselves to stagnate. And that's a danger for us all. We've got to be careful about spiritual stagnation. The Hebrew writer warns about wavering. The idea of wavering, I think, in this particular use is the idea of being on-again, off-again kinds of Christians. Have you ever known someone who, uh, you you might talk to them one time and they're just, just so excited and enthusiastic about spiritual things and they're real positive and working hard. And, and then the next time you see them maybe, and maybe it's only a couple weeks or so later, next time you see them, they've, they've lost all of that. And now they're at a a tremendous spiritual low and they, and they've allowed themselves to get into things they shouldn't be doing. They were real excited for the Lord at one point and then the next time you saw them, they had lost all of that interest. They, they were on again, off again. They were wavering in their commitment to the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, again, I want to emphasize, we're trying to draw all of these, these points out of this book of Hebrews addressed to Christians who are on the verge of giving up. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Uh, it's during those off-again period, we we're talking about Christians who were on again, off again, it's during those off again periods when we are at great risk, right? If we allow ourselves to waver, we're not steady in our commitment to the Lord. So uh, here I'm, I'm, I'm really fully excited and committed, but next week I may be at a spiritual low. Satan knows when we're at that spiritual low, and that's when he's going to attack us with his full force. Satan's no dummy. He, he's, he's going to work effectively against us and he knows that if we're wavering here and sometimes we're doing real well spiritually but other times we let ourselves get far away from god he knows that that's where where we're most susceptible and that's where he is going to attack us and so we have to be trying to eliminate those spiritual lows well someone might ask the question well is the solution to this then sort of just middle ground sort of mediocre lukewarm christianity not hot, not cold? No. Uh, in Revelation chapter 3, I know you remember in verse 16 that the Lord condemned the church at Laodicea because they were lukewarm. They were trying to hold that middle ground. That's, that's not the answer either. Don't waver. <coughs> Stay at a spiritual high place. Continue to remain enthusiastic and zealous and energetic in serving the Lord. That's what we've got to do. No wavering. Don't come off that high. Keep working hard and constantly for the Lord because wavering puts us in a position of real spiritual danger. And let me me suggest to you that the Hebrew writer warns about the spiritual danger of fainting. Now, here where we use the word faint, we're not talking about the idea of someone who's. You know, sees something shocking or scary, and suddenly just passes out. You know, you, you've 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 heard and probably have witnessed people who just fainted in a moment just because of some instantaneous uh, excitement or something. That's not the way the word fainting is being used here. The word faint here is being used rather the idea of giving out from exhaustion, uh, and and maybe the picture is that of a of a runner who's running a marathon. You know. I never have quite been able to imagine. I wish I could, but I never was able to do that. Run 26.2 miles without stopping. Run a marathon. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But you've got to imagine that during the course of that marathon race, you'd get very, very very tired. Uh, Serving the Lord is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And the Hebrew writer talked about it as a race and says, don't faint. Don't give out from exhaustion in this long-term race, this marathon spiritual race that you're running. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's the race. The race set before us. Run with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Notice that last phrase. There it is. Lest ye be weary, wearied and faint in your minds. It's possible to just get tired, to get weary, to be exhausted and give up. We've got to be on guard against that. Now, in saying that, we acknowledge that it 's not always easy to be a faithful Christian, and there are hard times for everybody and if you 're particularly going through a hard time at this uh, at this very instant, we understand that because all of us go through hard times as we 're trying to serve the Lord, but you 've got to keep on keeping on you can 't grow weary you can 't faint you can 't give up out of exhaustion you 've got to keep working uh and and be faithful to the Lord even through those hard times. Do not be weary. Do not faint in your mind. Obviously, the Hebrew writer warns about that, so that is a possibility. Now, again, here are the things that the Hebrew writer wrote to those those Christians. Those Hebrew Christians were on the verge of giving up. And so he warned them about the dangers of drifting, hardening, stagnation, wavering, and fainting. Now, get this point. If there wasn't a danger that those things could happen, there wouldn't be any reason to give a warning, right? If you're driving down the road or if, if you're someplace and you see a danger sign like this, you know there must be some danger or you wouldn't, you wouldn't need the warning. The very fact that a warning is offered suggests the danger exists, that it could happen. I am going to tell you, this: any of these things or a combination of them could happen to us. And being aware of the danger, then we've got to take steps to prevent those things from happening. That's just what you do when there are dangers, right? Like we said at the start of the lesson in our introduction, knowing that I could catch the flu, I'll wash my hands, right? Uh, you know, knowing that there are some violent criminal types out there, I, there's certain places I don't go in the dark of the night. I keep my door locked when I go to bed at night. I do certain things to to mitigate the dangers that exist in the physical world. In the spiritual world, we've got to also take steps to avoid the dangers, the kind of dangers, that are described in the book of Hebrews. What are some of the keys? I want to take you back to that last passage because here's where we talked about being weary and faint in your mind. But leading up to that, I think the Hebrew writer gave several really valuable suggestions that will help us in avoiding these dangers. He starts out by saying, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The, the 11th chapter, just preceding this, talked about great heroes of faith through the Old Testament. Abraham, Moses, Noah, Abel, and lots of others. But it wasn't just those. We've got even more, right? We've got the great heroes of the faith recorded for us in the New Testament. but we don't, It's not just those. I think even in our own lifetimes, we have known great people of God who serve as wonderful examples for us. It's like a cloud of witnesses that surround us that keep urging us on to be faithful and do the will of God. We have this cloud of witnesses around us. Draw strength from them. He goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. If you want to avoid spiritual dangers, one of the things you do is you get rid of anything that hinders. Uh, Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 29, if your hand offends thee, cut it off. If your eye offends thee, pluck it out. I don't think Jesus was teaching physical mutilation there. But he was just using hyperbole to emphasize to us, you get rid of anything that has the potential to cause you to be lost eternally in hell. There is nothing so important in this life that it would be worth jeopardizing your spiritual security over it. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And then he says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We mentioned this Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You've got to be patient, you've got to keep on going. Run with patience. The race is set before us. Now you got to see the big picture. You got to see what it's all about. You got to commit to the long haul. It's going to be worth it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And he says, "Run with patience. The race that is set before us." And then the ultimate advice is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He goes on to describe him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Our greatest strength comes from considering our Master, thinking about what He did, and how He endured all of that unjust. Uh, treatment that he, reserved, that he received. Jesus is, is the ultimate example. Of when, and when I'm uh, feeling weak or when I sense danger, I need to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so the Hebrew writer describes dangers. We're a long way removed from when he wrote those words, but those words still seem to me so particularly applicable to us. And those dangers are real, We've got to be aware of them. We've got to take steps to avoid them. We hope that what we've had to say will be an encouragement to us all. The lesson this morning primarily addressed to those of us who are already Christians. We're not out of the, as we say, we're not out of the woods yet and won't be while this life continues. Danger's around. Danger's around. Take steps to avoid them. We hope our lesson this morning has been an encouragement along that line. It may be though that there's some, someone here this morning. As a Christian, you realize that you have not been faithful to the Lord and you need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you this morning. Let us know how we can help. If you're not a Christian yet, we hope you'll obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.